Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. It the crowd goes wild. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on another Tuesday uh, here at my uh, recording studio built in my home. And on this week's show, in Pipe Parts, I'll continue answering the uh, Ask the Expert questions. And this one has to do with uh, why do some pipes smoke wetter than others? Uh, my guest is a uh, pipe smoker and a musician, Lyle Erickson. So you get to you get to meet him, and then we'll have uh, music from Lyle, mailbag, and a uh, baseball-related rant that's you know timely. I don't know. Anyway, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Uh, if you get a chance, please go to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. That would be absolutely wonderful. If you're not registered there, it's free to register. Just go, takes about five minutes, sign up, subscribe to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show, and uh, give us a five-star rating and review. Also, uh, really appreciate, keep sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show with all your friends and, uh, and, and enemies and family. And if they don't know how to listen to a podcast, well, help educate them. And remember, all 400 plus shows are available for streaming and downloading and listening directly off the website anytime you want to. So you don't have to catch it just at Tuesday night. So all of them sitting there. Um, before we get going, I don't have the final totals in yet, but I'm estimating about $2,900 was raised for the JDRF. So thank you very much to all of you who donated. Thank you to all those that bid on items. Thank you to those that bought hats and, uh, thank you to those. There's about $300 just in, uh, pure cash donations received. So once again, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You don't know how much that means to me. So thank you. We'll do it again next year, I promise. And a very, very big thank you to Steve Fallon, the pipe stud, for his time and effort and for, you know, he every one of those items, he gives free shipping on it. So he pays the shipping and he pays for all the eBay and PayPal fees. So once again, Steve, thank you very much for everything that you do to help put this on every year. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, remember, the uh, so the, the question was, when smoking the same tobacco... Why do some pipes smoke wetter than other pipes? 
And the way I kind of envisioned this question was, let's say you are a collector of a brand of pipes, and I'll use... Uh, I'll use Costello because over the years I've had, I don't know, seven or eight and a couple of them, identical sizes, identical shapes, and I would have better performance out of one versus the other. Now there is the, uh, there is the little bit of hand engineering when it comes to a pipe because even even factory-made pipes, you know, machine-made pipes, whatever you want to call them, they have handwork and lining up the drill bits for the on the drill press and you know doing all that. That's all handwork. So there is a variation amongst the drilling of each individual pipe, and that can affect it. Now, what I will put in there is that in times it's purely mother nature. Mother Nature will make a certain block of wood a little more tolerant to heat and a little more tolerant to moisture. Um, Mother Nature is the reason why sometimes when you get a pipe, it smokes hotter than what you are used to. Uh, let's just say, you know, again, you have, a, you have four Dunhill uh, 4103s, the straight billiard group for all shell briars, and I guarantee you one of those or two of them are going to smoke better than the others. The engineering can be identical, but there is no way to make those individual blocks of wood uh, identical, so you're going to get a variation in how, that pipe, uh, how those pipes smoke by the blocks of wood. Um, over time, I have found that when you pick up a pipe, if it feels lighter than it should be, it's probably a less, uh, it's a less dense block of wood. So that less dense block of wood is going to absorb heat better. And that's probably going to mean a cooler and drier smoke for me. Uh, I can also say that, you know, sometimes you get the engineering issue in there and maybe the balance of the pipe is just not right. And by the balance not being right, you're going to get a variation in how the pipe smokes for you. But look at each block of wood. Look at the look at what Mother Nature has given for that block of wood and you'll find you'll start to fine tune kind of the way you like to look for pipes um i prefer that you know of course i've got my measurements which we'll talk about in a future one but in those measurements i'm looking for a density in the briar and i want the briar not to be as heavy as possible i want it to be as light as possible because i think that if it's engineered correctly then it's going to be lighter. It's going to be more absorbent of heat and moisture. Um, yeah, and then, of course, there's always packing techniques. Uh, but if you take two identical pipes, pack them the identical way, one of them is going to smoke better for you than the other one. I think it has to do with the actual piece of wood that you're dealing with. Uh, if you're doing it amongst pipes that are, you know, different styles, shapes, sizes, manufacturers, it's really an unfair comparison at that point. And then, you know, that's where we start to find if we like one 
uh, one or the, over the other. You know, Peterson collectors and love the way a Peterson pipe smokes because they like the way it smokes. And that's up to, you know, that's up to their personal preference. But again, look at the wood, look at the engineering of each individual pipe, same pipe side by side from the same brand, same shape number. There's going to be slight variations. And that I think is where you get the difference in which pipe smoke wetter. Now, it, it also depends on the pipe smoker themselves, too. So what works for me will not work or may not work for you. And you have to find out what works for you. There you go. Comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, my visit with Lyle Erickson. This is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and I love musicians. So joining us is a, uh, a musician, a pipe-smoking musician, and from Iowa, so I'm assuming you like corn or have, uh, you know, have at least seen a cornfield. But uh, Lyle Erickson, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thanks, Brian. I uh, appreciate that. And I'll have you know I had corn today. So I'm going to uphold that art or that uh, stereotype. Okay, good, good. All right. So first of all, so you emailed me and said that you're a musician and I, and I have, uh, and I have an eclectic that I have an eclectic taste in music and I've played some of your, I've listened to your music and we're going to play it at the normally in the music spot. So we won't go over it too much right now, but um, did you, uh, were you born and raised in Iowa or were you trying to get somewhere else eventually and the truck broke down there? <laughs> I am from the Midwest. Um, I actually was born in Illinois. That's where all the guys that I do the music with are from. Um, I met my wife, um, there and when we got married, we moved to Iowa to get a little distance, but be close enough to make trips home whenever we need to. <laughs> I like it. Um, so I'm assuming the music started before the the pipe smoking started? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I started playing music um, in high school. Um, about the time these guys and I started our first band. So we uh, all kind of grew up doing that together. Um, so, I, yeah, I've been doing that pretty consistently, you know, since the 
very early 90s. The pipe smoking didn't come till uh, 2000s. So in high school, well, who were your musical influences? We were really into that um, kind of that mixture of goth rock and electronic music and punk rock, uh, post-punk, all that stuff that kind of came out of the 80s. So we liked the Misfits, we liked the Cure, we liked um, Bauhaus and Joy Division, just kind of that melting pot, I guess, of, of musical stuff that came out in early MTV, all the electronic instruments that kind of came in with, um, you know, Gary Newman and Art of Noise and, and uh, Kraftwerk and bands like that. So, I mean, that's kind of a worldly view of music coming from you know, the Midwest, which you know you think of as, you know, John Cougar Mellencamp and jazz. <laughs> yeah, um, Big Spiderbeck is from my hometown in the Quad Cities, so that's certainly there. You know, um, this is before the Internet, so we just did a lot of tape trading. You know, a lot of the bands that we listened to, if they were from the West Coast or whether they're from England, it didn't really matter because they were just tapes that came through, you know, friends passed around. So it was all kind of <laughs> foreign music to us. There are no big music scenes or whatever kind of in that part of the state. What was your first instrument? Uh, electric guitar. Uh-oh. Fast and loud? <laughs> well, it's kind of a funny story because um, my Told my, I mean, this was when I was like 14 years old, so I told my parents I wanted one, and they went to the music store, um, and they said, okay, well, you know, help us pick one, and the music store asked them, <clears throat> what kind of music does he like? And they were like, I don't know, I think he likes this band called Depeche Mode, <laughs> which, which, I mean, at that time had no guitars in it whatsoever, so they kind of just grabbed one that didn't look too metal, I think, and gave it to him. So it was kind of a low-end uh, Fender Stratocaster copy. I love it. One, I, I think one of my first, well, my one of my second or third guitars was a Squire Strat, which I thought was just the coolest looking thing, and I never could play it well. So, uh, so, so you're playing, you're playing guitar in the uh, in the high school band, and the band around formed around your high school. This was not a school sanctioned band, was it? No, not in any way. <laughs> so, were you doing like uh, you know garage garage shows and uh, and backyard parties and stuff like that? Yeah, we um, we used to play. So in in um, Iowa, you could be in bars under the age of twenty one if you were. I think the law maybe was if you were working there, or maybe it was before a certain hour or something. I don't know, but I know that we could go over the river to. Davenport and play uh, play shows in bars, you know, while we were still in high school. So we were playing gigs um, at, uh, you know, special music clubs or, or again, in, in a bar or two. Yeah. So was the, yeah, was the goal to uh, get a recording contract, go big, and then uh, fly around the world? I don't think anybody really admits that to themselves. You know, at that age, it's kind of like, Maybe we can meet some people doing this. Maybe we can um, have some fun, just see how it comes out. Um, we did, you know, in the end, you know, a couple of years on, it was just a lot of fun to, you know, drive to a new town, play a show, um, and get a good story or two. 
some of those stories might have included girls? Well, you know, <laughs> what goes on the road, Brian. Hey, I'm just saying, uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking out loud here for you. Maybe that's what you would do. I was, I was an artist. Right. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, I tried. Didn't work. Um, <laughs> I tried a lot. It really didn't work. Um, I, I really did try a lot and it didn't work. Uh, so no, I, I make no claim to the fact that we were really that good or that we were <laughs> destined to, to make it big or whatever. Um, but we certainly, we certainly got some paying gigs and we certainly got a lot of uh, experience doing it. Yeah. You got paid to be on stage and you made it through the full set, right? That's right. If we had enough money to drive home with gas, then that was a win. There you go. Uh, so what, when do you, when do you get into pipe smoking? Um, so fast forward through college and, uh, early career. Um, I was in Des Moines and, and married at the time. My wife and I didn't have kids yet. So we were both kind of career oriented and doing some travel. Um, you know, pipe smoking has always been kind of a cool, a cool looking thing to me. You know, if you, if you listen to the music, it's all about these classic movie monsters and all of those movies have pipe smokers or yeah. smokers in them. So, you know, the Wolfman's got Lon Chaney Jr. smoking a pipe all the way through it. Um, Claude Rains is smoking in some of his movies. So, and Karloff, all these guys were pipe smokers. So maybe that's part of it. You know, the sort of chip tipping point was um, my wife was a, um, away on a business trip and I was kind of, going a little stir crazy at home and there was some dude who lives on my block who walked by you know just walking by smoking his pipe <laughs> and i thought that's it like that's what i need to do next <clears throat> so yeah i got on the internet this was you know, let's see i actually wrote it down this was 2006 so the internet was still not quite what it is today no social media or anything but you could still get some info and um did a little research so that I wouldn't go into the pipe shop looking like a total noob and um, <laughs> picked out my first pipe and tobacco. And if you were in Des Moines, did you go to David's Briar shop? I did. It was in the mall back then. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great store. Um, <laughs> anyway, I think I was there in about 2004 or five. So, um, yeah. So what was your, yeah. fir what was your first pipe? I got an Italian basket pipe. I still have it. Um, I thought it was great at the time. Now when I look at it, I can't believe how big the button is. I mean, it's like <laughs> three quarters of an inch thick. It's, it's a mouthful. Um, but it's still a pretty decent pipe. I think it's probably a Savinelli second. I don't know. Um, I don't know who makes all those Italian basket pipes, but it, uh, that's what that was. And I, I was, I was, um, really concerned about getting a good tobacco at first. And so I, I knew I didn't want to go the route of cherry or um, something super aromatic just because everybody in the online forum says, you know, that's, that's a newbie mistake. So I went in looking for something a little more natural. Um, the, the lady that was working there that day didn't, didn't really know too much about it. So she said, you know, just take a look, smell the jars, do what you want to do, which wasn't too helpful, but I did find a tin of Frog Morton across the pond, and it had the word Latakia on the label, and I thought, okay, 
I know that word at least, and I know that this is going to be something that's, you know, maybe a step up from, <laughs> I didn't know McClelland. I didn't, obviously at the time I had no frame of reference, but I knew that that was a, um, a good um, pipe smokers tobacco. So I, I picked that up. So you started off with some with a with a really well respected blend and put it into a fairly cheap pipe. <laughs> I did, and I smoked it like like a real newbie. So it probably might as well have been, you know, any any drugstore blend. Blend, but um, maybe I stuck with it. Maybe the IKEA was cooler. I don't know. I was I was uh, determined to like it, and so I powered through and and. Uh, when my wife got home from her business trip, I was I said, "Guess what? <laughs> I'm a smoker now." <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're gonna take a break right here. When we come back, we'll find out how that went over. Well, obviously, it might have been okay because you're still smoking. So, but we'll find out how that went over. So, stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Lyle Erickson. All right, so your wife comes back from the trip. You tell her you're a smoker now. What would she say? Um, she takes that sort of thing in stride. She'd been married to me for, for a while, and it wasn't the dumbest thing I've ever done. And so she was probably just glad it wasn't something something even worse so i I think i think it was okay hey hey honey i've got a 40 dollar a day heroin habit now welcome home (laughs) right hey guess what i decided to to burn the house down or whatever yeah no it wasn't uh it wasn't that bad it was and you know her and i are both really into cooking and flavors and that whole you know a lot of pipe smokers are like this but they're really into their coffee or their whiskey or their their beer or whatever and and we were in that camp so it was it was kind of one of those things where it was like this is a whole flavor profile that um is going to be interesting to explore so she she tried it with me it didn't really stick there but that was kind of the that was the rationale and and it still it still is kind of the point to me today so fast forward because we've got some other stuff to get to to get through with you here on the show uh, how often are, how often do you smoke a pipe now? Um, well, when the kids were in school, I could smoke, uh, more often, but now that we're all kind of stuck in the house together, I'm, I'm getting maybe two or three bowls a week. 
and how big is your pipe collection? Uh, how how big is your does your wife think your pipe collection is? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's on the record is different than the. No, um, let's see here. I actually happen to have that right here. <clears throat> I don't have a huge collection by pipe collector standards. Um, I have a about a hundred pipes. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not huge. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Brian. I, I've heard some of the guests you have on the show. That, that cannot be above average. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, no, that's a good <laughs> size. That's a good size pipe rotation you got there. Uh, did you uh, did you dive into aging tobaccos and stockpiling and uh, you know uh, nuclear winter preparedness? Not. Not really consciously, but because there's so much to try, you buy a lot of stuff and then you end up not opening everything. And then, you know, a couple of years later, you realize you've got enough tobacco to last the rest of your life. And then you still buy some more because the stuff you really like, you smoked and you want more of that for later. So you, you know how it goes. Um, yeah, I, I did go ahead and buy a bunch of tobacco, too. Now, was because you you said you you like different flavors, you you know you really understand how different flavors are. Do you have all different? Do you have different styles of tobaccos, or are you kind of pigeonholed? No, I do. I, I still like almost everything. So I try to I try to keep a fair amount of. I mean, my favorite is Virginia Periques. Um, I like Virginias a lot, um, but I like English blends too. So I I kind of have it all. I I like an aromatic too. Um, so I, I have a pretty diverse seller. Have you uh, ha have you dedicated pipes to different styles of tobaccos? Yep, I've done that. I've got a few blends that have dedicated pipes to them as well, um, which is a good reason to buy another pipe. You know, you yeah. get a blend you like and you want to marry a pipe to it. Um, so yeah, I, I do dedicate pipes. Yeah. So the all right. So that that's a, you know tell your wife I said that's fine. Now you need to have more pipes too because. Uh, right, yeah. I'll tell her. I said the doctor says I should I should do this. I should keep it up. Yeah, and tell her I'm also jealous that you can smoke all these different types of tobaccos and and enjoy them and get all the nuances out of them, and I can't. So. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about the current music because it's it's a completely different style. You go ahead and describe it and and uh, pick out a song for us to that you want us to hear on the, on the show, but we're not oh, going to play it now. We're going to play it afterwards. Sure. Sure. Um, well, you know, we kind of wanted to get back to some of that old school sound that we started with just, just because that's what we did together back then. So we took those things, um, and, and kind of shook them up, mixed in some things that we've been listening to, you know, for the last 25 years since then. And, and that's kind of how it came about. So, you know, I wrote some tracks or some parts and, and shared those. And then the other two guys wrote some stuff and shared it back. And then, you know, <clears throat> if you don't finish your own work, it ends up taking a twist. And so, you know, I, I started something that sounded like a, like a synthesizer drum machine based thing. And then it ended up being one of the heaviest tracks on the album just because, <laughs> we bounced it back and forth and it needed guitars and then it needed some aggressive bass and that's what came out. So that, that's been a lot of fun. So our goal was kind of to just resurrect some of the old stuff and then kind of bring 25 years of, of musical experience to the, to the mix too. So the, the album is called pitch black 
the band is called Pitch Black Manor, right? Yeah, that's a that's a 14 year old name in a band there for you. But yes, that's still the name. <laughs> and the album is Monster Classics, and I've I've heard about four of them, and I described them. And this is my limited music knowledge, so you'll just have to apologize. I'll apologize to you right now. Um, it sounds a little bit like Metallica took on the soundtrack for the 1950s, 1940s monster B movies, and they're a lot of fun. Cool. That's a that's a big compliment. So, I like both of those things, so that's that's good to hear. Uh, so, how many instruments do you play now? Um, we have a lot of instruments. I only play guitar well, but I have lots of keyboards and, and electronics and, <clears throat> and bass guitar and stuff like that. So I can, I can demo, I can write like a demo with that stuff. But I think the only one that I'm actually proficient at, like if we were going to play live, that's definitely what I would play is the guitar and not anything else. Afterwards, uh, after people are done listening to the show, where can they go to download or purchase or stream or whatever the you know whatever them kids do nowadays to get your music? <laughs> I would go to pitchblackmanner.com and that'll redirect to the Bandcamp page. Or if you just Google Pitch Black Manor, you'll you'll get there. Um, it should be available for for download. So there you go. All right, you said something before we started recording about uh you know another thing that you do as a i i guess you called it a side job but you roast coffees so talk to me start telling me all about it i do my wife and i own a small coffee business like really small um called kingman coffee um and we um we have a really tiny roaster and and in a room on the back of our house where we do really small batches of like really interesting coffees and then sell them to friends. We, we do some open air markets, which has been a lot of fun this year, obviously, but we, uh, we have some regular customers that buy through our website. We, we can't ship coffee, so I'm not, not really selling it to anybody who's not in the Des Moines area, but that's, that's what we do. It was a hobby that kind of outgrew its outgrew its britches. And now it's a small business. You tease. How dare you now? As a friend, I can send coffee to people, but I legally am not licensed to um, <clears throat> to ship coffee. So, first of all, it's Kingman, K-I-N-G-M-A-N, coffee.com. And why is it a different license that you have to have to to sell out of state? Or Yeah, I think I have to be licensed as a grocer to, to, sell, to sell food as a retailer, which is what it would take to ship coffee. So, I can sell... In open air markets, I can sell out the front door. Um, I can sell to people who legally have the um, reasonable expectation to come over and see how it's processed. I can't sell to strangers like through the mail. Wow, there's yeah, okay. More bizarre regulations. Welcome to welcome to the world. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, cottage food law is its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you? Uh, I mean, when you're making a cup of coffee for yourself, do you think about the type of tobacco that you're picking and try to do a pairing that way? Um, I do. I, I think that um, the processing of coffee, the roasting process brings out some of the chocolate. And um, if you go a little darker, you can get into some of the uh, smoky flavors that you get out of tobacco. So there is a, there is a, a pairing complement there. I, I tend to drink coffee um, 
mostly in the morning because I'm getting older and I can't handle it too much in the evening and I tend to smoke in the evening. So I don't always get to pair the two, but the flavor profiles are certainly something that comes to mind. Yeah. And I mean, there's a whole process involved in, in creating those flavor profiles in the coffee, just like a tobacco blender does. And, you know, we've, I, I obviously have a, a passion for coffee and not only do I love it, but I need it. So I, I appreciate really good coffee too. Um, I will drink cheap coffee. Yep. Every, it's like beer. Every, every coffee has its place. You, you wouldn't want a fancy coffee to truck stop. You want truck stop coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so going back to the music, when you're, when you're working on something, are you sitting there puffing your pipe while you're, uh, while you're either recording or composing or whatever writing? Yes, definitely. When in the writing and editing process, I, I'm not coordinated enough to, to, to smoke and play at the same time. But once I'm on the laptop doing edits or, you know, thinking through musical problems, then that's, that's my, my smoking room um, is my home studio. So I can do both in there. And this is the summer of 2020 that we're recording this. So for those of you in the future, you know, this was a uh, interesting summer. Um, you couldn't have all the guys in the band come over and record, could you? <laughs> That's right. The original thought was um, we would do this and then we, none of us live. One of the guys is in Los Angeles. One is in Illinois still in the Quad Cities and I'm here in Des Moines. So we thought we'll do this and then maybe we'll get together and do some live shows too. And that's just not going to happen. Um, the plan has always been to record it remotely. And so um, I don't know if that really threw a, a, a wrench in the plans as much um, for the recording process, but definitely for, you know, promotion and, and, and doing live things, then that's just not going to happen. Yeah. But then you could just email parts to each other and listen to it and, lay it out i guess and do all that stuff without ever actually seeing each other that's true i i i actually had to look up today where our mixing engineer is located um i know who he is and i know his like website but i didn't physically know where he was located until today <laughs> he's he, he's not your new nigerian uncle that's a prince is he uh no no he's no. not he's in new york Oh, okay. So, so this is, I mean, this thing's been recorded and worked on in three different time zones. That is correct. Yes. Wow. All right. Going back to pipe smoking. Uh, what's, what kind of pipes are on your Holy grail list right now? Oh, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I can turn this on you. I was going to ask you, so I was born in 1974 should I be seeking out uh, Berthier Dunhill? Was that a good time for Dunhill? Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that time so much. Uh, pre yeah, 1980, things start getting a little weird. So, yeah, if you want, you know, 74 as a birth year wouldn't be bad at all. So that that might that's on my list. Um, I wanted to get a Rad Davis for a long time. I, I checked that box. Um, uh, Trevor Talbert does some really interesting things that are out of my price range, but that would be, that would be pretty cool. Um, I, I'm really not that complicated. Um, I'm not, I have a lot of pipes, but, um, I, I just like a good billiard or a good, or a good straight pipe. And so those, those don't tend to break the bank. We need to hook you and Trevor up together, and then that way, with his Halloween pipe, you can come. You could write a song just for that pipe and tell its story. <laughs> and 
you two, you two get along great. Um, yeah, I've seen his pumpkin pipes, and they're they're pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, wow. Um, going back about ten, twelve years, what was was Rad Davis? Was that kind of the holy grail? I don't know if it was the holy grail, but he he I like the way he blasts pipes, and I like um, I've just seen so many of them that I liked that I wanted to to pick one up, and I and I did. So I, I don't really have uh, a lot of pipe um, envy, I guess. I, mm-hmm. If I'm traveling and I go to a, a store, if there's a local carver that looks good, I'll get that. Um, I try to stay away from the new release, the new uh, news releases from smoking pipes in those places because that just, it's candy. I can't, I can't look <laughs> at that and not be tempted. So I, I, don't, I don't think I really, uh, I, don't, I don't know. If I go to a pipe show, I usually buy a pipe, but I don't go looking for something specific. Do you have a focus in your collection, or is it just pipes you like that you felt like buying? All I've really got in my collection at this point is um, kind of classic shapes that, that I like to smoke, um, or you know, close to classic shapes, and then ones that are sentimental, because I bought them when I was on a trip, or somebody gave them to me, and I just can't get rid of them, so... When I get a pipe, it's usually pretty small, and it's usually um, pretty classically shaped. When you're approaching a pipe show, do you go around the room at least once before you pull the trigger on a pipe? <laughs> yeah, I try to do that. Yeah. How does that work? Has it worked out for you? Uh, yeah, I haven't, uh, I, haven't missed any, I haven't missed anything too bad. Okay, good. You know, it's that feeling of like, well, that's really nice pipe. I should, I, I got to come back and see that. And then when it's bought, there's a sense of relief that you didn't, yeah. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't have to pull the trigger. Yeah. Or then there's the sense of misery going, damn it, I missed out on that one. Oh, well. Yeah. 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 Go get a cup of coffee and calm down and then go back at it again. <laughs> <laughs> They'll make more. Yeah. Lyle, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I am. What is your favorite pipe? Small French classic shapes. And what is your favorite tobacco? Escudo. And what is your favorite drink? I I have to say coffee at this point. Yes, coffee. Yeah, if you didn't, I was going to edit it out and put coffee in there anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Definitely a book. Any particular genre? Because, I mean, are you, is your head that warped that you read weird stuff too? I do. I'm pretty Catholic in my taste in books, though, so I'll read okay. fiction, nonfiction, Whatever, uh, whatever comes up in the queue, I've got a list of things that I want to read that'll last me till I'm dead. <laughs> I love it. So, so like variety in books, variety in tobacco, and variety in music. Uh, finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? I have a I have a pipe related memory that I'll share. That's that's a that's a funny story. It's not necessarily pipe smoking, and and you'll see what why that is in a second here. So I'm I'm also we haven't talked about it because it's not really important, but I'm a, I'm a runner. I like to run long distances. And um, I was on a 10-mile run once. Um, I happened to be passing through downtown Des Moines about 
five miles into it, and there was a bulldog pipe on the sidewalk. <laughs> just laying there. <clears throat> so I stopped and looked around, you know, to I don't know what I expected to see, but there's it was weekend, so there were not not that many people down there early morning on Saturday. Nobody's there. I kind of bend over and pick it up and I'm waiting for like the, you know, the joke to drop, you know, somebody to jump out and say, yeah. you know, I, I didn't know what to think of it. So I, I picked it up and looked at it. It was in English. Um, it said like uh, a pipe shop from England on there. I think Covent was the name of it. And it didn't look too bad. So I thought, well, if I leave it here, somebody's going to kick it in the street or, you know, I can't exactly go you know, take it to a lost and found or something. So I just, I ran with it. I ran five miles with the pipe. Um, <laughs> I tried to tuck it into my waistband, but it wouldn't stay there, you know, cause it's, it jostles around. So I just held it in my hand like a, <laughs> like a pipe you're smoking. I ran home five miles with a, with a bulldog. <laughs> and do you still, you still have the pipe? I do. I cleaned it up. I restored it. It had some rim char. So I, I, I I restored it pretty nice. It's a decent smoker too. Uh, that's fantastic. I've never I I don't think I know of anybody that's ever found a pipe on the street. I know, and I'd like to think that everybody who saw me, like for the for the five miles home, got to see a guy. Like that's a story, right? I, I saw a guy. <laughs> I think he was running and smoking a pipe at the same time. It was the weirdest thing Uh, on that note um tell us what song we're gonna hear and uh tell us anything you want about that song uh let's do ghoul fever it's a um it's a disco electronic um funky song about um ghouls having a party in a graveyard I love it so we'll hear that after the you know after the break and everything in the normal music segment Lyle Erickson, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for being a uh, a truly fascinating person. Well, thanks for having me. It's it's humbling to be on here in good company. So thanks for thanks for the opportunity. And we'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, We're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And I I do believe that that is one of my favorite pipe smoking related memories. Because I don't think I have ever found... You know, it's hard enough to find a pipe smoker on the streets, let alone a pipe sitting on the streets. So anyway, glad he adopted that bulldog. Took that stray dog home with him. And uh, here is uh, the music that Lyle picked out for us.
Again, the band's name is Pitch Black Manor. You can uh, get their uh, get the album through Bandcamp. I think it would be absolutely perfect to play around Halloween time and uh, spooky, cool, creative, fun. The album's got it's actually so the whole album's got songs in different styles. But uh, do check them out. You've got some mail. All right, mailbag comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or you can post them on pipesmagazine.com, or you can uh, send them to me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm trying to get better about monitoring Facebook and Instagram, I I promise. Uh, But anyway, going back two weeks to Ken Johnson. So uh, Jess writes, uh, Brian, the Ken Johnson interview was wonderful it was like a walk back through time not that i've been there but i almost felt as though i had his i had with his descriptions of things also his accent was delightful why are we americans such suckers for that british accent (laughs) yeah well yeah it's like the old joke you know just because you say it with a british accent doesn't make it smarter but Anyway, uh, then Jess goes on to write, however, the music selection was horrifying. I'm actually, and this is referring to the Tom Waits song, um, I'm actually someone uh, who can enjoy a little death metal, but that was far scarier than listening to Demon Hunter. My insides were churning. Uh, But then my heart was warmed by your anniversary speech about your wife. I've only been married nine years, but can already verify that the advice you gave at the end is golden. It was a good reminder for me to put a pipe in it and move on. Thanks for such a consistently great show. Hey, you are welcome, Jess. And <laughs> yeah, so apparently that um, Tom Waits piece of music was probably the most polarizing piece of music I've played because we got comments like this one from Hockey454. What a fantastic show. I enjoyed hearing uh, his stories from days past when some of the best pipe tobacco was ever produced. And you all topped it off with a song from Tom Waits, a.k.a. Tommy the Cat, singing the Seven Dwarfs song. Brilliant. <laughs> so, so there you go. Uh, yeah, polarizing. is the, that, That's got to be the single most polarizing piece of music that I've played. And uh, third guy catching up on the uh, shows with Ken Johnson said, a great episode. I really enjoyed listening to Mr. Johnson speak about what must have been a fascinating time in pipe tobacco. I look forward to hearing again, for, uh, hearing again from him on the show. And then going to last week's show, uh, Casey Ghost writes, this was a very good show. One of them I agree with Jeff on is the drilling of the bowl. The last thing you want in a pipe is a V-shaped bowl. You get one, and you will get nothing but heat. The music was pleasant and light years better than your previous shows. <laughs> so Dan like the uh, <laughs> Dan like the organ music better than Tom Waits. Um, anyway, again, comments or questions, you can email them directly to me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com or uh, post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. Uh, Travel-wise, again, uh, you know, no no immediate pipe shows coming up. Uh, so in case you missed it last week, Columbus, the NASPC, has postponed their show. Uh, Briarworks and the Mule Town show is not on for this year. And uh, the Sutliff Core show 
is been postponed this year as well. Uh, still hoping that there will be a Las Vegas show, but we'll wait and see. Uh, if you are thinking of a vacation for next year, for 2021, talk to me first. Brian.Levine at mei-travel.com. Again, my area of specialty is all the cruises, and once the uh, once the cruise lines get ready to reopen up, I'll know more about what it's going to be like on board, and I will keep you updated. Uh, I'm pretty sure there will be uh, plenty of room to smoke as there will be less and less passengers on the ships. Uh, Walt Disney World, if you're thinking about going down there, now's not a bad time if you don't mind wearing a mask all day. Uh, but uh, hit me up, let me know. Also, uh, suggestions, guest suggestions, any guests you'd like to hear more from, I am all ears and open for that. I do have a lineup of guests that I'm working on right now, but if you have somebody that you would like to hear or a subject that you would like to hear on uh, Pipe Parts, well, just let me know. I'm happy to oblige. Maybe it's something from the past that I need to go a little deeper into. You know, it's been seven and a half, almost eight years now. So some of those topics and things have changed. In fact, yeah, lots changed in eight years. So there you go. Just let me know. I'm happy to help. Again, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Also follow me on Facebook and Instagram, and you can send me direct messages there. All right, rant time is coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Baseball, baseball, baseball. Uh, when I was growing up, I was a diehard baseball fan, a diehard Dodgers fan. I lived and died with how the team did. I followed them every day. I paid attention to everything in baseball, baseball, baseball. I mean, uh, in reality, you've done two things. One, in the uh, in the Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa era, you ignored steroids, and then you looked the other way you know and then you came down hard so you know i lost i lost track of my love of baseball uh back then and you know so that's fine all right i'm over it baseball for me was the 70s and 80s and it was great and then the prices skyrocketed in fact i was talking to a friend of mine today who said a family of for a family of four fun pack last year a family fun pack four tickets to the yankees game which included hot dogs peanuts and a and a drink five hundred dollars for a family of four so there's your price issues right there but here's what baseball's done that's bothered me now you know what they've done <laughs> uh they're not 
They're playing without an audience right now. There are no fans in the stands, so what are they doing? They're doing cardboard cutouts of fans, and you can pay, I've heard, up to $300 to have your cardboard cutout sitting in a chair watching it, and then they're using sounds in the in the stadium for reactions. And I mean, we're, I mean seriously, this is getting ridiculous, all right? Baseball, it's not like you need the, the $300 per fan to be a cardboard cutout sitting in a chair. And then if you get hit by a foul ball, they send you the foul ball. I mean, I'm picturing those carnival games where you've got a baseball and all the clowns with the fuzzy heads. And if you knock them over, you, you're, you're one of the clowns with the fuzzy heads because you just paid a couple hundred dollars to be a cardboard cutout in a stadium where nobody's looking at them except for the cameras. Anyway, but that's what baseball's done. And baseball, once again, you've let me down with your stupid $300 cardboard cutout routine. But uh, I wish you the best of luck. I, w I hope everybody stays safe and, you know, maybe we'll have some, I don't know, whatever. I'm done with baseball anyway. I just get so frustrated. So I think I'll just smoke my pipe. Anyway, uh, that's, uh, that's all I got. Uh, thank you to Lyle for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And bomba until next time. Clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather.